2: VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
3: As you practice each
4: skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
2: Learn more at meta.com/metaverseimpact. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just
5: anybody. Help! You know I need someone
4: You get outside of New Jersey, the variety of cars shrinks down to trucks and SUVs, and uh, very little electric vehicles that I saw. Even on the road, traveling, I did not see a lot of electric vehicles. The car
3: doctor. So I ended up taking it back apart and putting that transmission control module in, which is all part of the same, you know, sits on the solenoid pack at the whole nine yards. That ended up solving it. You know, life is good, so... Cool. $1,000 got her back on the road and cheaper than a new
1: one. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal,
4: pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. I really wish you could walk a mile in the shoes of a mechanic. My shoes, his shoes, their shoes, her shoes, whosoever's shoes. But to be in the shop and deal with the day-to-day... I think you would, I think it would change dynamically your perception of what auto repair really is. You know, there's a, there's a black mark on this industry. There is. There's, everyone out there has an opinion, it seems. They can do it cheaper, better, quicker, faster. Why do they need a mechanic and so on? But the day of reckoning is here, it's, it's, and it's getting worse every day in that there are less and less real mechanics out there and a great deal of posers and pretenders. I remember years ago when I would see a car come into the shop and it would have a specific brand of battery that, to me, signified the person went to this national chain, which has since gone out of business because they weren't really dedicated to repairing cars. They was about making a buck. It was all about how quickly we get them in, hook them up and get them out. And I always said, it it just sort of struck me that people would go for this one brand of battery every time. And they just, they just weren't really interested in fixing the car properly because I think they were taught somewhere early in their automotive driving life that, Hey, you know, we can, we can do some things cheap. We can save money here. And I always said, you know, these are the guys that are going to go out of business. They won't make it. And they didn't. And they're gone. They're gone a while now. You know, auto repair is not something that you want to consider doing cheap. I don't think you do. I don't think you can. I don't think it's smart. A car today is such a major investment, and it's gotten worse. Right, the last couple of years, they say the average price of a used car now—you can't find anything less than twenty grand, twenty thousand dollars. Holy cow! I think my parents back in the fifties paid five grand for their first house. It's everything is just so inflated and out of control. So doesn't it make sense if you're driving something, whatever it is, if you did happen to find that $5,000 beater or you're driving a $50,000 new car, doesn't it make sense to do as much as you can and and take as proper care of it as you can, as is possible? We had a customer, well, a consumer, somebody that thought they wanted to be a customer, come into the shop this week, and it was it was a midday walk-in, midweek walk-in, and You know, it was Wednesday. Hey, I need an oil change. Okay, great. Yeah, we can do it one day next week. And he just looked at me. And I said, excuse me? He said, well, you know, my my son-in-law and my sister, my daughter-in-law recommended you. And they said, you guys are really good at what you do. Yeah, we are really good at what we do. You know, there's, there's, there's no getting away from that. You know, I'd like to think, I, you know, look, I follow the ad as long as as more people swear by me than at me, I'm ahead of the curve. You're not going to make everybody happy. And that's not my job. My job is not to make everybody happy. My job is to do the job as honestly and diligently as I possibly humanly can. And and at the end of the day, fix as many cars as I can and make a living at it because that's what I'm there for. I'm there to make a profit so I can be there the next day, just like you when you go to work. (coughs) So, you know, he looked at me for a minute and he said, well, what do you have next week? And I said, well, I I have midweek. I think I have whatever it was, the 12th or the 13th. I forget what the exact day was. And he said, well... But that's how long i have to wait i said let me ask you a question because you know you come in and interview me i said i interview you too what the last mechanic do that annoyed you that you know sent you looking and he just kind of looked at me and you can see his eyes rolling around in his head that he was thinking like who, who is this guy why is he asking me this because i want to know i told him look i want to know because i want to know if i ever you know what did the guy do was it reasonable was it unreasonable Because I don't ever want to annoy anybody. I would rather not do business with somebody. That's just the way I'm built. That's just the cut of my jib. I'm not here to annoy people. I'm here to try and make as many people happy as I can. But you can't make everybody happy. I've accepted that. And as he said that to me, he said, well, I went to and he said, I'd rather not say. And I said, I understand. I said, "And listen, let's get one thing right out of the way. I said, an oil change here is 45 minutes of shop time. And the labor rate is X. So the labor on an oil change is this. So the average oil change around here is somewhere between $150 and $200. And it is. Hey, welcome to New Jersey. Okay? You want to pay the highest property taxes in the country? Go ahead. Move to Jersey. Or close to it, right? And he said, how can that be? And I said, well, I said, let's let's back up a second. I said, first of all, know that the shop is currently booked about 12 days out. 12 business days. Not counting weekends. So if I'm doing something wrong, it's sure not reflected in the booking. And he said... But you're going to drive people away with that. And I said, no, I'm going to drive the right people away with that. I said, I'm going to keep the people whose cars really want, they really want their cars fixed. They really want them looked at. They're really concerned about their safety. They want, you know, overall value. You know, I don't talk a lot about the shop here. If you've been a long time listener, you very rarely hear me talk about the shop. I don't say bring it down to the shop because that's not what I'm here for. But this one kind of got me to thinking. You know, the reason we do a thorough oil change and I know I'm not compelled to explain myself, but I will this time is because you come in for a quick oil change. Here's the scenario. Cause I've lived this. You come in for the quick oil change, oil and filter, top fluids, sticker, reset the oil light down the road. Three days later, the brakes start to grind. And you know what the phone call is I get next? Hey, my car was just in there for service and you guys missed the brakes that were filling. Well, because it was a quick 10 minute oil change or a 15 minute oil change We weren't given the option or the time to adequately look the vehicle over. And then we get blamed, or whoever the mechanic is gets blamed. So, you know, when you talk about taking care of your car, do you give your mechanic time and credit? Do you give them adequate ability? Hey, check the car over. I want to know it's safe. Because it's human nature. Whoever touched it last, it's that person's fault. Hey, you broke my car. You were driving it when the window fell into the door. I've had that experience, too. And we've talked about that here. Car comes in on a hot summer day. The first thing you do is you get in the car, you put the window down. Now the window doesn't go up because it's broken. And it's seven years old with 150,000 miles on it. Whose fault is that? Hey, you know, it's the next guy up to bat. Whoever touches the button next, it's going to break. Sooner or later, it happens. Are you adequately prepared to deal with the car of today and then the car of tomorrow because, folks, it's only going to get worse. Cars are only going to get more complicated. Cars are only going to cost more to fix. So you've got to erase this, hey, I need it done cheap mentality from your mind. It can't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You need to think about, I need to get my car fixed properly and safely to keep me on the road so I can do what I have to do because that's really what auto repair is about. That's why I say you've you've got to walk that mile. You've got to be able to stand from the mechanics perspective and say, what are they really trying to do? Are there guys in this industry that really know what they're doing? Clearly. Are they few and far between? No, I think there's more good guys out there than we realize that we give credit for. Are there shops out there that are... You know, misleading and deceptive? Absolutely. Just like lawyers, doctors, bankers, plumbers, electricians. You know, there's good and bad and all, like Mom said. Just a matter of finding them. But if you're always beating on your mechanic, hey, how cheap can you do this? Try this next time. How right can you do this? Is this done right? Will this last me? How many miles do you think? Will it go 10,000 miles, 20,000 miles, 30,000 miles for this repair? And, you know, see what kind of an answer they give. Most of them, are going to say, hey, I can't give you any guarantee, but the odds are in your favor. I think that's a reasonable, logical conclusion. You know, it's kind of like when you talk to another human being and say, hey, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? Did they give you a reasonable, logical answer? I think that's all part of it. Everybody's looking for something different in auto repair. I get that. And no matter what I tell, tell you and say to you and explain it to you, you might be just one of the ones, you know what? You don't think much of a car and you're just going to want to do it cheap. That's okay. That's your choice. Last time I checked, it's still a free country, mostly. But the reality is, to be safe on the road, to know you're going to get there and back, to know that you're not going to have the unnecessary problem, you're going to have to spend money on it. The only way to save money on a car is to not own one. And then you're up to mass transportation. By the way, he... The gentleman that came in and asked about the oil change, he said, well, I guess I'm going to have to go somewhere else. And I wished him well. And I was polite. I wasn't rude. I wasn't short. I wasn't nasty. There's no need to be. Hey, I get it. You know what? We're a bad fit. You know, to eat to eat at this restaurant, it's just not for you. It's just not what you're looking for. But, and as I sat and wondered, I got to tell you the side story. I said, I wonder if the, I wonder if the son-in-law and the daughter will be back. And I forgot they were in the book for the next day. Sure enough, their car showed up the next day and we serviced it. So I can't be that crazy. I, I must, I must know what I'm doing. How could that be? I, um, who would want me? I can't understand it. How are you today, Tom? What's doing with you? I know Tom's got something he wants to ask me. He's waving his hands over there. I'm doing just good. Um, but I just wanted to say, you know, I, I, I like what you did with the studio. You know, you,
1: you, with with the AutoZone studio now, you got the AutoZone sign, you got the parts here on the counter, you've got a, you even got a cash register, Ron. Oh, you got
4: it all together. You mean how we should tell the listeners that they're now listening to Ron and, Eni and the Car Doctor in the AutoZone studio? Get in the zone, AutoZone. Yep, yeah, that's that's yeah. official. Well, you know, Tom, we now have a new sponsor, AutoZone, and you know, for those out there that say we talk about our sponsors too much, guess what? That. If we don't talk about our sponsors, you know what happens? You know what you're going to hear we next have, week? Uh,
0: the sounds of silence, and not by Simon and Garfunkel. Well,
4: yeah, kind of. You know, I looked it up. I looked it up before the show today, and I picked the New York Yankees just because we're, you know, we're we're right outside of New York City. Um, General Motors sponsored the Yankees for the longest time, right until about 2008, and then in the financial crisis, Toyota and Audi took them over. And I never heard anybody say how could GM sponsor the Yankees, and now Toyota and Audi sponsor the Yankees. You know, I've read the comments about we have we have a lot of sponsors. Well, that's good, because you know why? Because we'll always be here to answer your question, because that's what we're supposed to do. All I can say is, cool beans. eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. 560 I am Ron Anini and the car doctor with the Alucious, alicious, delicious, luscious Tom Ray. We'll both be back right after this. Don't go away.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity Presents...
5: You'll
0: have fun what's more fun than listening to Ron and Amy and the car doctor and getting that car fixed right 855 9900 give Ron a call now back to Ron
2: hey let's
4: get on over and talk to oh let's go talk to Carl in Louisiana 13 f-150 XLT and uh, see what's going on here Carl welcome to the car doctor sir how can I help
5: For taking my call, I have a 2013 F-150 that's experiencing problems with Cylinder 3 under rapid acceleration. Uh, What I've done is taking the plug from Cylinder 3 and moving it to Cylinder 1. I've also replaced the coil pack. And nonetheless, um, I even have a new high-pressure fuel pump put in. And what I'm experiencing is still under rapid acceleration trying to enact the EcoBoost that I'm getting an alarm from my um, check engine in my, you know, system that says that Cylinder 3 is misfiring.
4: Okay. Can you, are you able to, do you have a scan tool that you can actually look at misfires and and watch them? Or are you just seeing a blinking light? Uh, How do you you know it's 3, I guess, is is the right answer to my question. And which which engine is this, Carl? I didn't get the...
5: It's a 3.5 uh EcoBoost okay. engine on okay. a Ford F150.
4: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um
5: the the scan tool I have is a uh let's see. I'll walk right there real quick and tell you about it. I use it I'm always clearing the alarm that comes up when I accelerate. Uh, I have a Innova 5610.
4: Okay. That's a good that that's that's more than enough scan tool for what you're doing. Okay, and um, so, go, ahead. Um, go ahead. I was I was going to say you're, you, you've 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 swapped plugs, you've changed the coil pack, and it always follows. It always it seems to be still be with the cylinder.
5: Yes. Okay. The only thing I haven't changed is the injector. Um, I put some injector you know treatments in. Maybe I'm using the right stuff or the wrong stuff. I'm not sure uh trying to clear out any carbon deposits that may be associated with that how,
4: how many um, miles are and on I'm this just, carl
5: 106000 yeah
4: not miles. a lot you know not a lot um you know you could have you could have an injector that's that's running lean and and causing a misfire uh lack of fuel have you are you able to watch it on your scan tool will your scan tool show misfires by cylinder
5: uh, I haven't tried to do that because it only happens under rapid acceleration, so I'd have to use the scan tool like while I'm getting after it. All right. And I haven't attempted that no.
4: Let me ask you this. Does your ANOVA, does your scan tool give you the function under OBD2 to look at Mode 6? Yes. Fa- are, are you familiar with Mode 6? Have you looked at it at all?
5: I, I'm not familiar with Mode 6, but I know that that is a feature in there, and it allows me to look at... Um, A lot of runtime issues that uh, uh, you know. Okay. Like I was mentioning before, if if I'm driving down the road and accelerating, that's when I'm experiencing the issue. I'm not really looking at a scan tool while I'm pressing the accelerator, which maybe I should.
4: So well, so you're because you're driving it, and then you come to the stop or wherever you pull over, and you check it, and you've got a 303. So you don't know if it's just Cylinder yeah. 3 or one of the other five cylinders remaining that's misfiring, right? Fair point.
5: Well, what I did is I took the plug from Cylinder 3 and moved it to Cylinder 1. Right. And I also changed the coil pack on Cylinder 3. And I thought that the if it was a plug or coil pack issue, it would, it would follow it would that. move over to the right. other cylinder. Okay. Right. And it, but- it did not.
4: But what if cylinder one, for example, is misfiring, but just not enough to trigger a code? You see, that's what mode six is. Mode six is the assembly language that the computer is using to decipher how the vehicle is running. So look at okay. your look at your mode six data. It will show you, and it's going to be it's going to be under there's there's TIDs and SIDs, test ID and component ID. All right. And in the interest of time, let me just suffice it to say, there's tons of articles about Mode 6, and it's easy to decipher. But the idea is you're going to be in the 50 series TIDs, and you're going to see like SID 53. SID 53 is going to be misfire on Cylinder 3, and SID 54 is going to be uh, ignition counts. I shouldn't say misfire on Cylinder 3. It's going to be ignition counts on Cylinder 3. And then it's going to be 54 is going to be uh, ignition counts on Cylinder 4, and so on. What they're doing is they're going to show you the minimum value that they expect, before it sets a code the maximum value and what the actual value was when it failed so if you've got if you've got other cylinders that are borderline failure but haven't set the code so this will be easy you'll go in and you'll look at you'll look at sid's 51 through 56 and if it's only cylinder three the other five are going to show good or they're going to show zero, or you know, maybe one or two misfires, where cylinder three is going to stand out at twenty-eight thousand, or whatever the number is. So, tell you what, Carl, oh, sit on, right, uh, tell, Carl, sit on the line a second. Let me pull over, take this pause. When we come back, we'll finish up. I'm Ron Ennie in the Car Doctor. Don't go anywhere.
0: John's in the zone, the AutoZone Studio, and he'll be back right after this.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80.
4: Welcome back to the AutoZone Studio. Here's Ron. Hey, Carl. Carl, you're still there, sir? Yes, yes, so, I am. So let me just finish my thought and then we'll pick back up with you. Um, so the idea is Mode 6 is going to tell you what's passing, what's failing, and what's borderline, because they will always give you a maximum number, a minimum number, and then the failure. So learning to look at Mode 6, you know, it's what if you, listen, what if you never got a fault code? but yet the engine ran the way it did, then what would you do, right? You wouldn't know what cylinder to look at.
5: I guess my my question is then, for lack of better terms, I've looked at a lot of forums and stuff, and there's guys that are talking about drilling a hole to allow condensate to come out of the intercooler. And they're suggesting that condensate is carrying over into that cylinder. And I'm like, uh, should I drill a hole or not? And uh, I don't really know, and I don't know if you would know, and that's kind of part of why I was calling you.
4: You know, if, if I read something like that, my, my first question would be, because I always play what if. What if that doesn't work and now I've got this hole? And then my other my other thought that always goes through my head because I always play I listen I play what if during the week what if what if it's what if I say it's this on a because you get backed into a corner and you're in that ninety percentile where it's time to make the guess because you can't prove anything mm-hmm. you know the the art of guessing also has to deal with what if what if it's not that where would you look next before I started drilling right. holes and you know doing something permanent like that I, and if I didn't want to go through the mode six pain if if it If it's going to be a problem or maybe your scan tool doesn't have that, uh, you know I would at least swap the injector. I would move number three injector. And if number three injector and yeah. number and number four injector produces the same results, then you know it's on cylinder yeah, three. I,
5: I can agree with that. that that's that's true. It, it's very possible it's an injector or bad gapping. But I figured I'd ask, and you know, I mean, you're the car guru. Yeah, I I mean, the tree mechanic. No, I
4: get it. I mean, listen, before, but before I started drilling holes, I would finish my testing. The other thing, you know, to be aware of is uh, I I can prove it to you. Unplug an injector, start the car. Watch how fast it sets a fault code for that injector. Because there's, and I, well, well, I want to explain it like this there's multiple ways. A a car computer (laughs) tests each individual component. It does it electrically. Agreed, yes. It, uh, it, It does it by component test. So if this was a bad injector electrically, it should already have a circuit performance test versus a failure versus a component Failure test now. If you were to look in mode six, well, you you might see something with O2 sensor activity or, or something along the lines that maybe maybe the injector is causing a problem already, and we just don't see it because the scan tool hasn't reported it. So, well, you know, uh,
5: th- that's part of the reason I called is because I you have what I call gray hair technology. You know, you're like an older dude. Now, you got some gray hair. I got and more you've than you. Already a few. figured it out the hard way. You yep. know? And yeah. That's the that's the path I'm trying to avoid, and I'm, like, looking for everybody in any way that has that technology. I, but I, I mean, I, I, I agree with you entirely. You you sent me on the right path, and I understand what I need to do, and uh, I thank you for your time.
4: You're very welcome, sir. Good luck to your car. Let us know what fixes it. You take good care. Uh, yes, sir. Let's get on over, and let's go talk to Jerry in Iowa, 16 Camaro. Jerry, welcome to the car, doctor, sir. How can I help?
5: Yeah.
3: Good afternoon. Yes, sir. Um, I've got uh I've been storing several cars for the winter months every year for a decade. Uh the latest generation of car that I've got was this two thousand sixteen, so the computerization systems are different than what I was dealing with. Previously was the two thousand one Camaro. Right. Um they're both OBD two based platforms, but there's a whole scope of different things going on. My concern isn't about making certain the fluids are fine and all that. It's what happens to uh, removing a battery out of the comp- out of the system because where I store is uh, there's no electricity. So uh, it's maintaining the health of the battery. Pull it out and put it on a, a trickle charger, and put it back in in the spring. Uh, what happens to the electronics that are based in the car? It appears it goes through a whole new learning mode every spring.
4: Yep, yep, and it's only going to get worse in time as time goes on. If, you were, if we were talking about a 2023 automobile, there would be a longer and a, and a, and a bigger learning curve. Uh, you know, we had a, um, okay. sort of on a side note, we had a 21 Ford Ranger in the shop recently, and the customer got the idea that to solve his transmission problem he was going to disconnect the battery cables while the engine was running and um, uh, yeah that didn't work Um, and and one of the things he was chasing was he was trying to reset the transmission table adaptives which is you know the stored learning data for how that particular driver drove and then the next driver and the driver after that and so on you know in a 16 Camaro that's there tap is there uh, you know, but you've got to be—you've got to be aware that it's—it's it's just something you're going to have to deal with. Let me ask you this: Is it a warm, dry storage place where you're putting the car?
3: No, it's the pre-standing. It, it, I live in Iowa. We're talking twenty-five, thirty below in the wintertime.
4: Right. Uh, so so it's and gonna, there's no
3: heat in this building. I'm just getting rid of ice and snow load off of it. Right. And so there's going to be a moisture problem.
4: Yeah. Um, and that's and you know and that's and that's a problem whether the battery's in the car or not. So yep y- you know the other question I've got is: is there any sunlight, daylight, any windows in this building that the car is no. in front of, nearby? What I'm what I'm getting at is: do, uh, you, do you leave the battery in the car and do you extend and put a solar charger up against the window and let it trickle charge the battery over the winter?
3: Um that's not a possibility because of the way the doors are uh, getting in and out of this. It's that's uh, it's a totally sealed and I can't get around that.
4: So, right. Okay.
3: Um, th- the other thing is uh, it does have concrete floor. It's a metal building, but uh, the owner went and made it a weathertight drum on the surface. So it doesn't appear when I've pulled the vehicle out of storage that I have a moisture problem. I just know from having done, this for a couple of decades with other vehicles, moisture's an issue that's going to pop up. Yep. Um, my other question is kind of connected back to the computer and the learning curve. Uh, this vehicle has uh, cylinder deactivation built into it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and with that said, depending on your driving patterns. Uh, it will cause a fault code to pop up um, under extreme light load, um, and that's been an issue that shows up every spring when it goes through a learning mode. Of um, it, so, is there a way to a save li- the learning? You no, you can't do that, can you? Uh, no,
4: you really can't. And I'm going to say that. Imagine when that vehicle comes out of the factory. You know they always talked about a green uh, a green chip is the exact language 35 years ago that okay. you know when they computerized cars they put a green chip in them and as the odometer went uh, you know I think I think the magic number was 5500 miles by then the engine was broken in and they didn't need the green chip anymore and it, it had burned out and the modified fuel curve and spark advance curve was different and You know, they they were now running on base numbers, whatever they were at the time. And modern-day cars can do that, and they do that quicker. My point is, you know, disconnect the battery, store the car, hook the battery back up, just drive it. Just drive it for, you know, put 200 miles on it. It's going to learn fast enough. As long as moisture hasn't affected anything, as long as animals haven't gotten in there, because, you know, that's the other concern. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's an issue. I will tell you this, is it, you know, do you think it's an animal free building? Do you think it's, it's safe from rodents? Oh,
3: yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that's not a problem. Okay. So, um, it, it, the biggest issue is, uh, well, I was just wondering if I was really doing anything different than what I've done with the other older vehicles was make certain the fluids are clean. No make certain rodent free and and pull the battery out to maintain it and, no the only the only other thing every
4: the only other thing you can try and it, I, I say this it's a it's a newer product New Hampshire oil undercoating has mouse out their oil it, it's it's their oil oh. but but they have it available in an aerosol spray can I think it's like a 16 or 20 ounce spray can you can find more at nhoilundercoating.com. so if you wanted to just like touch spray certain areas of the engine compartment, you know, or, or underneath the carriage or in the wheel wells, just enough to keep the animals out. You don't have to do the whole car if you don't want. I mean, you can do the whole car; that's great. But you can just use, you know, mouse out from NH Oil from New Hampshire Oil undercoating, and and it'll be enough to deter them to keep the animals out. Because I'd be I'd be as I'd probably be more worried about animals and rodents than I would be about uh, you know the battery and harm to the computer. So you may want to consider doing that um, as a as a preemptive step so that you have no problems come next spring. But as far as driving it, just drive it, and uh, you'll find more at nhoilundercoating.com. Appreciate the call, Jerry. I'm running Ananian, The Car Doctor. We're back right after this.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80.
4: Welcome back, Rodney the Car Doctor here at eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. I want to talk to you about diagnostics. You know, it's it's a couple of you this hour. G, I'm you know gray hair gray haired expertise. Yeah, you know it's like there's a lot in this head, more than a few gray hairs too. I got to point out. Um, and I want to answer the Question or comment on it, I want to read Todd's email. Todd wrote me, Todd T. Hey, Ron, I got a 2001 BMW 330 CI, 98,000 miles. It's setting up P0420. I'll tell you what that is in a moment. I clear the code. It usually takes two weeks of daily driving to come back. Same code. The question is why? Is there an O2 sensor that's failing? They've never been replaced. The cat is actually bad. Hard to believe at this mileage. Why is only one of the cats bad? I've scanned the O2 sensors for both Bank 1 and Bank 2 post-cat, and they are behaving identically. Help, Doc, you're the best. I love your show, Todd T. Todd, you know what? Um, A lot of great questions, but let's go go one step at a time. First of all, it's not that new. It's got 100,000 miles on it. It's 22 years old. Uh, That's a lot of idle time. That's a lot of, you know, Gallons of fuel that went through it? Are you the original owner on the vehicle? Can you show me all the maintenance that's been done on the vehicle? These had some issues with what we called crankcase ventilation valves. or um, They had some valve cover issues way back in the day. Is there any oil consumption on this car? Uh, You know, a lot of questions I have. But the bottom line is, if you can prove that cat is failing, bad is bad. I've seen more than a few cars where one cat failed and the other side didn't. It's not completely impossible. Here's a great example of two things. Number one, you're looking at the O2 sensors. Are you looking at them displayed digitally, meaning you're looking at the numbers? And for everyone's benefit, let's talk about what an O2 sensor is. An O2 sensor is, it's basically a voltage-producing sensor based on how much oxygen is in the exhaust. It will produce either a high-voltage signal or a low-voltage signal. Typically, they run from zero to one volt. So, you know, when we talk about looking at them digitally... Is it 0.5, 0.6, 0.7, and we're just watching it bounce up and down digitally? Or are we looking at it on a graph or a lab scope? We're looking at the signal go up. We're looking at the signal come down. Similar to what you'll see in a hospital when they do a tracer for your blood pressure or your heartbeat, and they they will graph it out. Because, you know, 71 beats per minute, 82 beats per minute. How quick did it get there? Was there a gap? Was there a drop? Did something go up? Did something go down? You want to look at it. It's a, it's, you want to see a graphical or a linear display of that signal. Have you done that? Have you graphed the 202 sensors that way? That might tell you something. Have you looked at mode 6? Again, we're back to Mode 6, where you will see the explanation of why the computer is making the calculations and the judgment call for that failure to be what it is. Have you done that? Okay. And, yeah, it's possible that these have, this has a bad O2. But keep in mind, a modern-day OBD2 vehicle tests each sensor and component four to six different ways. More as the cars get newer. So the chances are that this is a failing O2? Not likely. All right, but it's possible. It's possible just by age, but you can do that. You can test for that. And then last, could there possibly be an exhaust leak so small you can't hear it, but it's skewing O2 sensor performance somewhere in the area of the exhaust and that catalytic converter? I think this is a bad cat, Todd, but there's some other tests that you've really got to do before you come to that conclusion. You need more, you know where to find me. 855-560-9900. I am Ron Anany in the car doctor, and I'll be back right after this. name the car doctor at 855-560-9900 keep in mind that phone number 855-560-9900 is 24 7 you can call leave a message and tom ray executive producer chief cook and bottle washer here will uh, get you in queue for the next live broadcast uh today's email comes to us from ken in maryland hey ron i've got an autel al 619 scan tool 619 a buddy of mine brought over a 2008 Hyundai four-cylinder to scan 120,000 miles on it. He says the check engine light came on after a hard start and stayed on. So I took it to a shop that said they didn't find any codes and to deliver the car back to him with the check engine light off. And then with I went in with my AL619 on an OBD2 scan and found two modules. Selected first one on left, uh, one with three codes came up. Then I set the scan tool to read codes and none found. The light went off before any scan. Any ideas how to proceed from here? I'm wondering, and I'm not familiar with a procedure where we're finding modules. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess he's saying he found modules that were online um, or contained within the vehicle. I'm questioning the validity of that scan tool and not that there's a problem with autel i'm just wondering is there a problem for whatever reason how that car interfaces with that particular model autel and are you running the latest software and latest updates on that vehicle are you going in strictly under obd2 here's an argument for why you need more than one scan tool because every once in a while you get a car that does this and if i can reproduce this condition with a different scan tool Then I've got a problem with the vehicle. Perhaps I've got a bad vehicle computer. If not, then I've got a a problem with how that scan tool interacts with this car, and I've seen this time and time again. It's one of the reasons why I've got, oh, I don't know, 14 different scan tools in the shop, literally. I'm Ron and The Car Doctor, reminding you, the mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.
2: Streaming now on the iHeartRadio
1: app.